I have a problem with cheap men, not because of the money. Cheap men are also cheap with their emotions, with their time, with how much they're willing to give in a relationship. Like that guy who's not willing to pay for my $5 chicken or rice, what about when we have kids one day, you know? That guy's not gonna be willing to get up in the middle of the night with me to feed the kid, right? Because he's gonna be like, well, that's your job. It's like, okay, well then what is your job? If you're not the breadwinner, if you're not the caretaker, I'm just your bitch over here. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bridge Investment Podcast. I have a very special guest today and somebody whose content I've been loving for a while now. Her name is Anna Kai, and she is a content creator that talks about dating. And I personally don't follow a lot of people who post about dating because, honestly, I don't agree with their advice. And I just think a lot of people are saying things to be politically correct and to please the masses, and that's not my vibe. And I, what I love about Anna is that she's using her own personal stories to kind of set the tone of what is right and what is wrong in today's dating world. She keeps it real. She keeps her standards high. We talk about paying for dinner dates, which seems like a never-ending topic on my social media. I get that question every single week about paying for dinners and stuff like that. So in this episode, we answer the never-ending question, which is how to stop feeling guilty when a guy is paying for your dinner and why you shouldn't even do the fake reach. (laughs) So we talked about dating a lot. Um, It was so easy to talk to her. I love her vibe. And I invite you all to tune into this episode. And if you love the episode, share it with a friend. Leave a five-star rating and review, please, if you don't mind on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you're listening, because it helps the show grow more than you can possibly imagine. Okay, guys, now let's hear from Anna. Anna, welcome to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Coco. I'm so excited to chat. I'm so excited to chat. I've, as I just told you, I've been a big fan of your videos and we share so many things. Our mindset is very aligned and I'm very happy to have another high standard lady on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Vice versa. I'm also a huge fan and I think, yeah, we share a lot of the same views. So this should be interesting. Let's chat. Okay, let's start with you a little bit on your background. I obviously know your content now, but What were you doing before? Give me a little background. Where did you grow up? Tell me about yourself a little bit. Um, What wasn't I doing before? So I grew up in the suburbs of Philly, and then I moved to New York City when I was 18. I went to school at NYU and then just stayed there. I lived in the city for 11 years, had a bunch of odd jobs, careers. The, The one that really stuck for a long time before content creation was I was a real estate agent in the city. And I actually really did enjoy that job. It was really fun working with clients. I really loved the company I worked for. And then the pandemic hit. And that job was obviously not exactly COVID friendly. It wasn't something that I could do virtually. So um, we ended up actually moving out to Connecticut in the middle of 2020 because my husband's job is out in Connecticut and he was doing the reverse commute. And he had been on the train, you know, for the past 10 years. And we were just like, you're not doing this anymore. So we came out to Connecticut and I just kind of, (laughs) I had to figure it out for, I've been figuring it out for the last two years and the last six months have been awesome. But um, I came out here, didn't have a job. My old company actually got bought by a different company and I was just really trying to figure it out. Uh, I was having kind of like a quarter life, life crisis 
because I was 30. I think we all had it during the yeah. pandemic. I was <laughs> I like, what are we doing with our lives? Where is this going? Everything, you kind of, when the pandemic hit, I mean, my life changed 100% as well. Yeah. But you kind of like think about what's going on and what is really important. No, and it was, you know, I, I was grateful that I had my then boyfriend slash fiance. We got engaged during the pandemic, and I was grateful that we had this little family that we were starting with our dog and everything. But I just really had no idea what I was doing with my career. And I'm the type of person where I really need to be doing something and pursuing something. And so I started content creation in September of 2020. And I started off as a home decor blogger. And your, your house looks beautiful. I gotta say, I, I, I see you. it on Instagram now. <laughs> Thank you so much. But it was, uh, you know, there are long story short, there are many home decor bloggers that are a lot better at that than I am. And just also, I realized I was like, there's only so many ways I can redecorate the same corner of my house. Um, mm -hmm. And so I switched, uh, tried to do the whole fashion blogging influencing thing and also wasn't that great at that either. And uploaded my first uh, video on dating in September of 2022 this past year and that went wow. viral and I was like okay so I should not be doing fashion content because nobody cares so I guess I'm <laughs> a dating influencer now so yeah it's been a crazy ride I'm super grateful you know I'm really just so flabbergasted I get opportunities to talk to you know, people like you and it's just so cool so no, I, I love it. And I, I'm a huge fan of your videos because first of all, your storytelling skills are beyond, but the stories that you actually share, are they all your personal experiences or some of them are a little made up? Because I know that you were talking about this before that you were dating a lot in your twenties when you were living in New York and I used to live in New York and I know that the dating scene there is... I wouldn't say it's brutal because a lot of people say it's brutal. I just think it's so diverse and so interesting and you can just learn so much about it. So let's talk a little bit about your experience in your early 20s before you were married and how was the dating pool for you? Because now you're married. So right. how, how was it before when you were single? Um, you know, I would actually describe it as brutal. Maybe you, you're just, you know, and I think the thing is, yeah, first of all, yes, they are all my own personal stories, believe it or not. They're not all different men. A lot of the times mm -hmm. each video is about the same guy, but a different story about the same guy, but I did date a lot. I dated. Is anybody actually named Chad or you're just using no, that name? No, no. Oh. <laughs> That's just a blanket name because it's because not about. I had a... <laughs> did you have an ex I named had Chad? Chad? No, I never had oh, okay. an ex named Chad, but I was, uh, I recorded a Chad video at some point because I just thought it was such a I'm, I hope no Chad is listening, but I just thought it was just like a bro name. Like, hey, look at me. I'm like from a frat and I'm Chad. So it is. I mean, I was not the first person to coin calling kind of a douchey guy Chad. It, it's so bad because I, we actually have a family friend named Chad. He's like an <laughs> uncle to me and he's actually great. And he's the only Chad I know. I'm like, I'm not talking about that, Chad. Yeah. Um, he's a little bit older than the TikTok Instagram demographic. So, mm -hmm. so I don't think he's going to be seeing these videos. But um, it was just, you know what it is? I had to figure out a lot of my own shit in my 20s. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it was so brutal, because given my background, I am the daughter of Chinese immigrants. I grew up just 
really feeling out of place in life. And I think when you come from that background, you're sort of grasping at different men to try and validate who you are in your existence. And I just really had to learn so many things the hard way in my 20s that that's why I ended up dating all the wrong men because I didn't know what I was looking for. But I would say in dating all the wrong men and really viciously dating (laughs) what I would say, Mm because there were there were weeks where I would go on three new dates a week, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Where were you finding them? All the apps. I mean, that's the Mm -hmm. thing is I graduated college the year after Tinder came up. So mm-hmm. had it not been for the apps, I do not think I would have been able to access the sheer volume of men that I was able to access in my 20s. So I'm super grateful for the apps. I know everybody has app fatigue, but anytime anybody is like, where can I meet guys? I'm like, still the apps. It's a volume game, you know, and every bad date leads you to closer to the right guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were weeks where I was going on three, four new dates a week and they all sucked, but (laughs) you know, I ended up meeting my husband, I think not super late in life, probably later than I wanted to. I mean, I was the girl in college freshman year. I was like, Oh, I want to marry the guy that I'm dating freshman year. So I was mm-hmm. never the girl that was like, I just want to be single for a while. I want to, and I have friends like that who are super self-assured, who, kind of have grown up with, they think, without a chip on their shoulder like I have, and they just know what they want, and they're not willing to put up with BS, and that just wasn't me. I had to learn the hard way. Tell me about that that time when you were going on all these dates and you were on the dating apps. How did you curate your dating app profile? Because I never really used apps when I, I was in long relationships, then I was right. living in, I don't know, I never really got into the app game. So for somebody listening right now and they want to use apps, how can they curate they, their profiles somehow in a sense that, you know, they show that we, we talked about this offline, but we both share this like high standard vibe and we, you know, want a guy who's going to treat, right, you, treat you right. So what would you say, did you have any prompts or anything specific in your profile that kind of alludes to the fact that you want a guy who's going to, you know, treat you a little bit better than some random Chad? <laughs> I think, you know, and the thing is, it's been five years, right? So I met my husband almost five years ago and the dating apps now have so much more detail than it did when Mm -hmm. I was single and dating. It used to be just eight photos, six photos, I don't even remember, and like a little blurb in Mm -hmm. a bio. But what I would always strive for in all of my dating app profiles. And I was on all of them. People are like, which app is the best? All of them, literally cast Mm -hmm. a wide net and see what you catch. (laughs) Most of it is just not for you, but all you need is one. If you're monogamous, right? I'm not talking to the polyamorous Mm -hmm. people because I don't have experience with that. I don't know anything about them. I I don't understand. (laughs) And I I can't speak from that experience. So I'm talking about people who want monogamous relationships, right? All you need is one. And so what I would try to do in my photos is, you know, you throw up a photo of you all dressed up, you throw up a photo of you looking more casual with your friends, doing something that you like to do. I ran two half marathons on the New York City Marathon when I lived in New York. So I posted a photo of me running, you know, it's a very surface level resume of who you are, but it's just to give the guy a sense of who you are, who you surround yourself with. 
And then I always think humor goes a long way in your bio. So I have this weird habit or skill, I guess. Can we call it a skill that I can burp on command? <laughs> and so I would always put that in my bio, like special skill. I can burp on command. And I just feel like that oh goes God. a long way in a dating app profile because it's something that a guy is probably not going to see too often. And that's always a little like conversation starter, too. Yeah, no, I, I'm this close of asking you to burp for me right now, <laughs> but maybe we'll do that. <laughs> so tell me about that time when you were dating. Like, how was that for you going on so many dates and meeting so many guys? And you said that you were dating the wrong type of guy. And I get this all the time in my DMs. The girls are like, I just always, I cannot find anybody that I even remotely like. So what do you think? What is the what is the problem in dating nowadays in general? I know that's very broad, but you know, guys and girls, they're all complaining about the dating pool nowadays. See, I think I had the opposite problem. I had an aunt or an aunt like figure who was my best friend's mom who would tell me all the time, she's like, Anna, you can't fall in love with every single guy you date. Because I was that girl. I was like, I can make it work with anybody, right? And the thing mm-hmm. is, it's like it's kind of two sides of the same coin. For me, it was like, obviously not every guy I was going on a date with should have been or could have been my husband. But I was trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole because I just wanted somebody so badly, right? And I think, um, honestly, I think the people who, I think women have much higher standards now. I think there's much more discourse and dialogue around dating. And it's just a much more talked about subject where People have higher standards. And I always tell people, and women especially, since that's predominantly my following, is that it's okay if you don't like anybody because you waste Mm -hmm. less time when you don't give the guy a second, third, or fourth, or fifth chance. You just move on, right? If you can't find somebody you like, it doesn't mean you won't find somebody you like. It just means you haven't yet. So I just think chemistry is this thing that you can't fake. And if you don't have it, I'm not talking about love at first sight because I'm way too jaded for that. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about like the first date, you've got to feel like there's something there. Okay. If not the second date, if after the second date, you're not like there's something there, then, then what are you doing? Right. Two or three Mm -hmm. dates. And if you can't figure it out, you're out. Right. So it's not a bad thing to not like people. You should like less people because if I had cut off all of those relationships that I probably knew from the beginning were not it for me, I would have wasted so much less time, right? And maybe waste mm-hmm. is, I'm an optimistic person, so waste is a strong word. It's I had to probably date all the wrong men to figure out who I was. And so that was my journey. But mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people now, it's if you know who you are and you know what you want, why spend your time with the wrong people? No, I love that. Uh, what about kissing on the first date? A lot of girls ask me what I think about that and I honestly think like I wouldn't even go on a date with somebody if I don't want to kiss them yeah what do you think about that and I know you have a very interesting point when it comes to sleeping on the first date so that's gonna be my following question yeah not sleeping on the first date sleeping until you're official so please yeah yeah yeah, absolutely I think it's very case dependent right so my first date with my husband was two and a half hours, three hours over drinks. And I know you don't do drink states, but I want to talk to you about that because the only reason I, 
I'm the opposite. I do drink states only because I had a really bad dinner date with a guy on the first date one time and I couldn't get out of it. And I was so scarred by that. <laughs> but I understand. I totally agree with your thinking behind the dinner date. However, mm-hmm. back to the subject. So I was, you know, it was a two and a half hour date, three hour date. And he didn't kiss me at the end. And I honestly thought it would have been weird if he would have. If Why? it was because it's just we're not there yet. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this was an and audition. And you guys, sorry, I don't know. You guys yeah. connected through an app. And yeah, you we met on Bumble. F- yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just, I don't, I'm very careful before I jump to the physical or I was very careful before I jumped to the physical with a guy that I really liked. There are guys you date where within five seconds, you're like, oh, you're so hot. I would never freaking long-term date you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll make out with you an hour into meeting you, you know? But I think um, when I met my husband, or I just was like, oh, you know, there's something special here. And I don't think he was, you know, he didn't make the move. I didn't make the move. And I was totally okay with that. In a situation where I feel like it's totally appropriate to kiss somebody on the first date, is one of my best girlfriends who's now married to this guy. This was like her second app date. I was so jealous of her because I <laughs> dated like hundreds of men and she went on literally two Tinder dates. The second guy was her husband and he's amazing. And they had like an eight hour first date where it started off with drinks. Then they went to dinner. And then she was like, Oh, my friend's having a party. Like come with me to this party. Then they got like smashed together at this party. Then they went back to. And so under those circumstances, obviously they mm-hmm. made out after the first date. And I think, you know, it's, it's very case by case. And I think if the mood is just because a guy doesn't kiss you after the first date does not mean he's not interested. I think also a lot of men are very careful these days about physical intimacy, just because when you're just starting to get to know somebody, you don't want the girl to take it the wrong way. You don't want to come off pushy. And so it just depends on the situation. Mm -hmm. And what about sex? I, I mean, it's not that I never had sex after the first date. It's just that I did that a few times in my early 20s. And I wouldn't even say after the first date. I would say mm-hmm. before exclusivity. And I just got burned so badly. And look, the the counter argument to that is, well, what if, you know, how, how do you know? You got to test drive the goods, right? But for me, mm-hmm. the emotional component is so much more important than the physical. And I've never had a situation where the emotional connection was there and the physical wasn't to me. And Mm -hmm. again, it's different for everybody. The physical component is secondary to the emotional component. And I think what happened was, and when I was 26, I dated a guy who I was so convinced. I was like, there is no way you're going to hurt me. And I hooked up with him after maybe five or six dates. And he ended up love bombing me, leave it. He didn't want to commit all. And I was just so shocked. I was like, I thought I had a good read on this guy. Right. And so I think when you don't jump into bed with somebody right away and you kind of withhold, I I don't love that term, but it's kind of the term Mm -hmm. that comes to, because it's not so much like a game as it's just look. that is a part of me that I'm not willing to share with somebody. Because when I do that, I become emotionally attached. I'm not somebody that can just hook up for fun. Um, and so when I do that with somebody, I want to make sure that they're in it. And 
if mm-hmm. you wait two to three months, because in New York, it happens all so quickly, right? If you really like a guy and you go out with him every week, two to three months is actually a really long time to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see him once every week, or let's say even if you're seeing him once every other week, I think the expectation is after the four, third, fourth date, you hook up with him. Um, it weeds out a lot of the guys who are not serious. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, what ended up happening is I was like, oh, you know, there were some guys who I dated them for a month, maybe a month and a half, and they saw that they weren't going to get it because I didn't trust them. And I just knew that they probably weren't looking for anything serious. And then it just fizzled out. So you said that this guy that you, you thought you had a good read, read on the situation, you were dating him for how, how long you said? Six weeks. Okay. It was so, mm-hmm. you know, and I still... This was such a scarring relationship to me because and I, I say this in, or I said this in one of my videos that sometimes the most heartbreaking or brutal relationships do not have to be your longest relationships. They don't mm-hmm. have to be long for them to be fucked up. This one was so, mm-hmm. and I was in probably, it was just a bad combination, bad timing. I just gotten out of a almost two year relationship. Um, it was, I remember December or January, I met this guy. We went out starting the new year and he was like all in all at once, texting me morning, you know, for, good morning all the way until night. And I was like, and so because of that, you know, like men can get very love bomby. You sort of feel like you know somebody better than you actually do when, mm-hmm. you know, after the first date, all you do is talk to them all day, every day. After a week, you feel like, oh my gosh, this is my husband. And, you know, I yeah. wasn't, I didn't initiate the conversation. So he was initiating it, right? And he was always so excited to see me. So after a couple of days, I was like, there's no way that this man's not my husband. You know, I was like, this mm-hmm. is it. This is it. We're good. And he was a lot older than me too. He was like eight or nine years older than me. And I was like, this is, this is the full the deal and he was mature mm-hmm. and he was kind of like an old soul all the thing i'm like attracted to like old men not like old men mm-hmm. but like people who are just kind of like not mature, i get it yeah, yeah mature yeah, or just mm-hmm. um you know i my type is men who don't have social media <laughs> that's <laughs> and so which is ironic does given, your husband have social media no no, he doesn't. Okay. He's got a Facebook that he hasn't logged into since 2007, maybe. Um, yeah, it's funny. My boyfriend also, he's super private. And when we started right. dating, that was one of his biggest adjustments to me, basically, since I share so much. It was it was so weird for both of us. I'm like, how do you not have, how do you not post a story? <laughs> and he's like, why do you post so many stories? And he's like, but because like, I don't care. But you know, it's so funny is that I actually think you do a really good job of keeping your relationship under wraps because I didn't know you had a boyfriend until I listened to one of your podcasts and I, you mentioned Mm -hmm. him and I was like, oh, she's in a relationship. So whatever. He should feel glad that you're, you're keeping that whole relationship under wraps. You're doing a great job. It's so hard. Thank you. you. And I'll tell you, you know, what's funny why I post, I used to post him way more and at some Miami is pretty small. It's smaller than New York. Right. And when you go to these like popular places or whatever, he started, I mean, girls come to me all the time saying, Hey, I love your videos and whatever. Mm-hmm. Girls started approaching him, telling him, Hey, I know you're Coco's boyfriend. Uh, we love her. And he was like, why are all these fucking random girls coming to me and saying hi? And then I was like, are, do they think they're going to be friends with me if they say hi to my boyfriend? Because that's absolutely oh. not the case. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, 
we've, you guys we've got to just but kind anyways. of remove all yeah. photographic evidence of the relationship. Yeah. No. No, no. He's he's around, but like not not as much anymore. Okay. We yeah. we, we went uh, out of what what were we talking about before? We were talking uh, okay. About so this you guy. Guys, yeah. So and I think because of that, I was just sort of like, okay, I I trust him. He was so different than my ex. And I think that's the other thing, too, is when you meet somebody that's sort of everything your ex wasn't, you sort of start to fantasize Mm -hmm. and you put a lot of qualities onto a person that may not actually have those qualities, but you want them to have those qualities. Mm -hmm. And so all I was getting was a very surface level version of him and what he was presenting. I always think like the first you know, the first six months you're dating somebody, you're not dating the man, you're dating the representative of the man, like his agent, right? (laughs) So it's like, I was meeting his agent and obviously the agent's like, yeah, my client's the best thing since sliced bread. And I just remember it all came to a head on Valentine's day. And, you know, this man from January 1st until February 14th, texting me all day, every day, saw him two to three times a week. And then on Valentine's Day, radio silence, right? Nothing. And I waited and I waited. And it was the worst Valentine's Day of my life because I was like, oh my God, am I? And I'm not going to. I have such high hopes. And I, and I was not going to be the first person to send the text. And at 1130 on Valentine's Day, he texted me something super innocuous. He was like, oh, such a crazy day. How was your day? And I was like, bitch, do you think I'm stupid? (laughs) And I called him up and I said, what is going on? You know, you are on my ass all day, every day for six weeks. And you don't think I noticed that Valentine's Day is the day you decide to just kind of disappear and mysteriously have a life again. And we met up for dinner. Did he speak to you the day before? Yeah, everything was normal. And I thought it was weird that he was so all into this relationship, but he didn't mention anything Mm -hmm. about Valentine's Day. But I was like, oh, you know, maybe he'll surprise me or something. You know, you just sort Mm -hmm. of, you hope. Yeah, yeah. Which red flag. If a guy is that love bomby and he doesn't mention anything about Valentine's Day, it's because he doesn't want to do anything for Valentine's Day. And I think what ultimately, you know, we met up for dinner the next night and he was like, oh, I didn't want to do anything for Valentine's Day because I didn't want you to think that we were in a committed relationship. And I just Mm -hmm. said to him, what have we been doing? You know? And so he was like, I'm willing to continue dating you, but I don't want to commit to you. And I just remember being so shattered. I was like, because not only, you know, was this not going the way I thought it was going to go, but then you start to question yourself. You're like, I thought I had a good read Mm -hmm. on this guy. And I didn't, I didn't know anything about him. And so he was willing to continue seeing me. And I just said, I can't because it's not the same as a situationship. Exactly. He wanted to date me Mm non-exclusively. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he, I said no. And he's respected that and he understood. And then a week later, he sent me a text. And I remember all it said was, I do miss you, dot, dot, dot. And I didn't respond to that. (laughs) And, And in a moment of weakness, I think I did drunk dial him like a week after that text. And he didn't pick up, and then that was it. And uh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was really scarring wow. because I've never, you know, when we, how old are you? Are you? I'm 32. 31. Okay, so we're like the same age. Um, mm-hmm. do, in our mid 20s, the term love bombing didn't exist. That didn't exist. No. So I had no idea what was happening to me. I just thought this dude's really into me, and mm-hmm. and. I didn't realize at that time that 
Um, you know, what's so funny is that actually my friend, the one that I told you who, um, mm-hmm. dated two guys on Tinder and married that guy, she mm-hmm. knew that guy's ex-girlfriend, smallest world ever. And she was like, that oh, guy I, that you went on a date with, that, uh, that, I mean, the, the six love week bo- guy? Yeah, the love mm-hmm. bomb Chad. And <laughs> this is, he doesn't know that I know this, but six week love bomb Chad told me that he had broken up with his three-year ex-girlfriend, like ex-girlfriend of three years who lived with him in August. I met him in January, right? Mm -hmm. And I find out from my friend when she finds out who she is, she was like, I know his ex-girlfriend. She moved out in December. I was like the first girl he probably went on an app date with, you know? So you never know. You actually you never, never know. You literally <laughs> never know. Yeah. Because, you know, he picked yeah. this random August date because it sounded like an appropriate like amount time of time. To heal. He had time to heal when I was the first person he probably went on a date with. And like, no shit, Sherlock, wow. you're not ready to jump into yeah. a relationship. But you know what? You should have told me that from the get go. You know, you should have said. Well, wait, th- what, what, how, how did you? This dinner date that you guys went on the day after, how did it end? So he said that he wants to continue seeing you. He doesn't want to be exclusive, but he mm-hmm. wants to like have you around. And you said no. I and didn't say no on you... that dinner date. I just said, uh-huh. you know, okay. And I said, I think I said, okay, let me think about it or something to that effect. And then, then I think the next day or something, I called him and I just, because I just felt crappy. And Mm -hmm. I just remember thinking, leaving that dinner date, being like, I could continue seeing him and hoping that this turns into something, but it doesn't feel the same anymore. So after Mm -hmm. that dinner date, I went home, he went home and I called him the next day and pretty much ended it is what I remember. Okay. I have a question for somebody who is listening right now and they Mm -hmm. are in a situation similar, like you were, they're seeing somebody and they think things are going well and the guy is just like not willing to commit. I always think that you need to get the fuck out because he, if he wanted to commit, he would. And I don't want to be like, oh, if he wanted to, he would, but it's actually true. Yeah, no, I I find a way to work it out. Yeah. So what do you think about guys who are not willing to commit or they want to take some time to get to know each other? Do you think that can ever transfer? Trans, yo, my English is not good today. <laughs> no, can, that, can something else happen? <laughs> it's almost Friday. No, you're you're great. Um, yeah. Look, hashtag immigrant. Uh, God, right? No. Um, you should. Uh, yeah, I just. I think. Um, yeah, can it happen? Anything can happen. I always tell people my advice is not gospel. I don't think mm-hmm. the only way I choose to live is the right way is the, or the way that I choose to live is not necessarily the right way to live. It's just how I live. And if you resonate with that, then great. If you don't like keep scrolling, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. what I, from my experience is that the guys who don't want to commit, they don't want to commit because they think they can find better. And it's as simple as that. You know, I, that love bomb you, Chad, didn't want to commit to me because I think he was like, Oh, well, you know, I think it was his first time on the apps. He was a lot older and mm-hmm. I think he was like, well, I got her, but what if mm-hmm. I could get her, but better. And he actually went to mm-hmm. go on and date like a super hot, like pretty famous girl. And I was like, great. So he found what he was looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't me. And, you know, with my ex prior to dating my husband, he had also just gotten out of a an engagement. He broke off his engagement and we dated for nine months 
And he broke up with me because he wanted to go find better. They think they can do better. And so if you think you can do better, then go do better, which is fine. You know, I'm, if I'm not what you're looking for, that's fine. But just either break up or, you know, don't even commit in the first place. I think all Mm -hmm. these, and I think honestly, a lot of guys just don't know what the fuck they want. And Mm -hmm. women are collateral damage because of that. Mm And so more often that I don't have statistics on this, but I think more often than not, women find themselves in situations where they're just holding on to hope. I have heard Mm -hmm. that story of like the woman holding on to hope. She'll date him for five years and it's going nowhere, but she's still Mm -hmm. hoping, right? More so than the situation where, oh, she held on for a year and he came around. I've actually, I don't know anybody in my life who's ever had a healthy relationship or a marriage start off where the guy was unsure and she convinced him. (laughs) Is that how you want your love story to be, girl? It's like, oh, yeah, you know what? He wasn't that into it. He wanted to go fuck a couple of other girls first. And then he decided I was the best he could do, you know? (laughs) I was the best fuck from all of these other ones. I know, but he had to compare first. It's like, no, my husband, from the minute I met him, He was very mature. He wasn't love bomby, but he knew. I always felt from him that he knew he wanted me. And Mm -hmm. that was it, you know. How does it, how did it feel for you when you finally met your husband? Like, I'm going to say from me and my boyfriend, everything with him was just so easy. It was, I wasn't thinking twice, does he like me or he doesn't like me. And also when we started dating, and actually I didn't really speak a lot about him on the podcast in general but when we started dating we were not supposed to be official like we both just moved to Miami from New York and we were mm-hmm. you know for work and we were just like you know I oh, just Oh did you move there together or did you No no separate so I oh, was okay. I moved here in January and he moved funny enough in August okay. uh, <laughs> but we didn't know each other before we met through a mutual friend totally random okay. like super random evening that's so old but school we now when you don't meet through an yeah. app you meet through a friend it's yeah. like so old-fashioned it's so cute <laughs> but it's funny I never really met guys through apps because when I was in New York I had a long relationship and then mm-hmm. when I was single I was just going out all the time and I was meeting guys all the time out. So I never really felt the need to use apps because I always had, I mean, I had a pretty large roster at that point when I was single, but <laughs> I, like when my boyfriend and I met, I just never, like he would confirm on time. He would schedule everything on yeah. time. He would tell me where we're going. I never had to do the dance. And as I yeah. said, when I was single, I was dating a lot of guys who were just losers and who would treat me horribly and who would make me feel like I'm insignificant, who would make, who would basically let me know that I'm not important to them. And here I was trying to like prove them wrong, you know, like, like that girl who's like, oh, I'm going to show you that I'm the best one from all of you. But when you're in a relationship, it shouldn't feel like a fight. I mean, we all watch these Disney movies and, you know, everything is so dramatic and everything is so... You know, I I don't think love is dramatic. Love, I mean, obviously you have ups and downs and stuff happens, but it should feel safe and comforting. So back to my actual question, how did you feel when you started dating your now husband? 
As some of you may know, a few months ago, I accidentally discovered a cyst on my ovary and I had to get it surgically removed. Now more than ever, I'm really staying on top of my health. And I don't mean just trying to eat healthy and exercise. I'm adding supplements to my life to prevent any unnecessary health issues. My goal is to just stay happy and healthy. Speaking of happy, I'd love to introduce you to Happy V. Happy V is a wellness company committed to creating scientifically sound products and educational content to help women lead healthier and more empowered lives. Doctor formulated vaginal probiotics that can help balance your vaginal pH if you experience bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, UTIs, low immunity, gut or digestive issues. They got you covered. Happy V puts science and facts first using clinically studied ingredients in their formulas and they're here to build a stigma-free world and start an open dialogue about vaginal health. You can check out their products at happyv.com and use code HAPPYCOCO10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's happyv, V as in vagina.com. I a thousand percent agree with everything you said. Um, I felt, you know, I, I said before, I don't believe in love at first sight because I'm just too jaded, but I believe in comfort at first sight. And the minute I saw him, I was just immediately comfortable. And I just felt like even on the first date that we just had a very easy rapport. I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about what to say. I wasn't thinking about oh, am I like, is my hair okay? I wasn't self-conscious. We were just very, it felt like we'd almost known each other for a very Mm -hmm. long time. And that just carried on throughout and has carried on throughout our entire relationship. He would, you know, I felt like I was always on one end of the spectrum or the other. I was either getting love bombed or I was either getting kind of breadcrumbed are the two terms that I think Gen Z uses mm-hmm. now. <laughs> um, like, I feel so old <laughs> with yeah. the terminology. Yeah, breadcrumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love bond and breadcrumb, right? I posted a video once, uh, don't go for breadcrumbers, go, go for breadwinners or something like that. Yes, that's, that's good. Speaking oh, of like bread, that. yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Feel, feel free to make a breadcrumbing video. And, right. Um, yeah. um, but it was just easy. He always reached out at an appropriate time. It wasn't like all day, every day. He wasn't just mm-hmm. kind of, he had a life too, his busy job, all of that. And so it was just easy. And I always say to my girlfriends, when it's right, it's boring because I had nothing mm-hmm. to say to my girlfriends. They were like, how is it? Mm-hmm. I was like, it's great. Yeah. I don't have anything to yeah. say. There's nothing to dissect. Yeah. There's nothing juicy to talk about. It's just awesome. Uh-huh. He's just awesome. You know? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Yeah. Do you listen to Jay Shetty? Uh, yeah, do I do. Occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. He said something recently. And I also just bought his book. I'm reading it right now. But he said something about when you uh, are with someone and it feels safe. Some people confuse that with boring because right. you're not constantly fighting. You're not constantly anxious because usually when you are in that fight or flight mode, that's when you mm-hmm. think like, oh, everything is so exciting and you need to fight for him and you need to fight for love. But that's actually you're you're it's you're anxious. You're not supposed to feel like that. He yeah. said it much better. But no, no, no. You yeah. you said it perfectly. And I agree with that because I made a video about this actually a couple months ago that I think Hollywood has really messed up our idea of what mm-hmm. true love is. Um, 
I love The Notebook. I that is one of my favorite movies. I actually never seen it. Oh, you I've haven't? Never seen it. Oh my gosh, go yeah. watch it. I had this I had this <laughs> thing that I don't watch movies that are popular. I don't know why. Okay. It was just me being rebellious. That is that is totally fine. But okay, I never so watched Game of Thrones or anything. Yeah. I couldn't watch Game of Thrones because <laughs> the violence in it I was like, ooh. But yeah. uh, The Notebook is just like a really easy watch. It's really sweet. Mm-hmm. It made me cry, all those things. Um but so I don't know if you'll get this reference, but you know the you know Rachel McAdams. Uh, I, and I might Boston. watch it. Yeah, you should yeah, watch yeah. it. Um, just so they have a very tumultuous relationship, and they're always fighting, and it's somehow portrayed as being romantic. And she actually, you know, they break up because of circumstances out of their control, and then she goes on to date a guy who's actually amazing and perfect and great, but he's characterized as being boring and Mm -hmm. um it's just sort of this wild concept to me where I feel like oh that's what the movies and tv shows have told us is love it's that fiery Mm -hmm. chemistry and if you don't want to tear each other's throats out and tear each other's clothes off it's not love and I think Mm -hmm. um Honestly, I'd rather have the story at the end of the day where it's like a 90-year-old couple. Most of the time, if they're still together and they've been together for 50 years or something like that, it's they're saying, oh, you know, it's it's not a crazy kind of explosive relationship. They've just been each mm-hmm. other's best friends. And I think that's what you should strive for is to find your best friend. You also want to hook up with, obviously. But yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I started dating my boyfriend, he has a pretty large friend group, a male friend group. So we were always talking about their experiences. And, you know, I, I had a big insight because growing up, I have an older brother. So I was hanging out with a lot of guys growing up. Then I moved to New York and then I didn't really have a large male friend group because I don't believe in male female friendships. I like, 100% agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always want to hook up with you. And th- my friend told me that when I was, I think I was 17. My friend told me this ma- big male friend group growing up in Croatia. Uh, he told me, you know, at Coco Cornelia at that time, right. he was like, you know, we all look at you as, you know, one of us, as a homie, as a sister. But he's like, don't get me wrong. We would all hook up with you if we had the chance. And ever since then, I just, it literally got engraved in my brain. And I'm like, I know that male-female friendships, either somebody hooks up with somebody at some point or somebody likes the other person, or maybe you're thinking about it. You don't have to act on it. But I think that when male-female friendships are super intense, yeah, I don't know, something is happening there. I a hundred percent. And I've, I just don't relate to straight men the way that I do to women. And like all my girlfriends, mm-hmm. all my best friends, um are women because i just mm-hmm. we share the same perspective yeah. we so i don't i've never been a guy's girl i don't understand a lot of things that mm-hmm. men find interesting because i think a straight man if he's looking for a friend would probably look for somebody else with similar interests to him you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm not really into sports like all the the clichés so <laughs> i i agree with you yeah i've never been a guy's yeah. girl <laughs> Yeah, when I was hanging out with these guys, I was asking them, like, what are you looking for in a woman? And they were like, a girl that we want to hang out with. We want to keep her around and we also want to sleep with her. So literally, like, your best friend that you just want to, you know, sleep with. Because you need to be comfortable at the end of the day. Guys don't really... I mean, 
I don't really know what guys want because I'm not a guy. But, you know, I feel like some girls are also very... I don't know. They want to change a guy. They want to change his habits. And I, I get that a lot on my Wobokoko dudes. Girls are like, oh, my guy is doing this. Like he's smoking weed every day and mm. I hate it. Should I continue being with him? Should I tell him to stop doing it? And whenever you are trying to change a man, he's just going to run the opposite way. At least that's from my experience. Yeah, 100%. I, I think you can't change people. I mean, think about how hard it is even to change yourself when you want to change a bad habit or yeah. something. And I think you can certainly say to the guy that you're dating, depending on how long you've been with him, hey, this thing that you do bothers me. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't want to make a change, then he's not going to do it. And it's only, you know, my ex-boyfriend prior to meeting my husband, he had a lot of really unhealthy habits. He drank excessively. He smoked a lot. You know, I know all of these things are not terrible in moderation, but he was drinking like a bottle of wine mm -hmm. every night after dinner, smoking weed. Then mm -hmm. after drinking, he needs to have a couple cigarettes. And then he was doing chewing tobacco. And I just mm -hmm. was looking at this and I was just saying, this is not sustainable long-term because I was thinking, if this guy's going to be my husband, you're going to die at the age of 50 <laughs> yeah. because you're going to get cancer from any of the number of substances that you're doing. And I remember the catalyst to our breakup to him leaving me was I got really angry at him one night because I told him, you know, I really, I didn't love the drinking. I didn't love the weed. I didn't love the smoking um, and the intensity of it. Right. Cause like if people do these things mm -hmm. very recreationally, fine, yeah, here whatever. And there, yeah. yeah. Here and yeah. there, it's fine. And, um, but I really didn't like the dip, which is chewing tobacco. It's called dipping and it's not necessarily, mm -hmm. it's a very specific, and I only learned this from dating him. It's a very specific type of chewing tobacco. It's not the kind that you see baseball players do where they like chew it and spit it out. It's mm -hmm. this thing where you wad the tobacco into a little ball. I know it's disgusting. And then you <laughs> literally keep it in your cheek. And so it's like Ew. a little ball in your, and you just hang on to it for, I don't know, an hour, two hours. And he would do it at work. And I just told him, I was like, I never want to see you do that because it is proven that it causes oral cancer. It's so bad. Wait, he would keep, he would keep tobacco in his mouth for an hour or two hours. I, yeah, he would do it wow. at work, Gross. you know, and I just, I knew he was doing this and I was like, can you please stop? You know, and it was a thing, yeah. and but he never did it in front of me, and so I just felt okay. Well, at least out of sight, so out of mind. Weird. I know. I was like, it's a oh man. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. we got drunk one night at a party with some of his friends, and he did it. He like whipped out his little dip, and he knew it really bothered me, and he did it at this party. And I just, I was drunk too. I flipped out. I was like, I, I don't mm -hmm. want you doing that, you know, because I don't, at the end of the day, it's because I don't want you to die. <laughs> it's not because yeah. I want to control you. It's like, that's an extremely unhealthy habit. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about the fact that smoking kills. This is a much more concentrated form, I think, of tobacco. And it's right up against your gum for an extended period of time. And then that's, you know, a couple of days. He flipped out at me. I flipped out at him. It was a horrible fight. He was like, just let me do what I want to do. You know, you don't yeah. control me. And then he broke up with me three days later. And I think that was the catalyst because he was like, he, he valued his freedom more than he valued being with me. And I think a lot of men will value their freedom and their ability to play video games, to get high, drunk, X, Y, Z with their mm -hmm. friends more than they value being with you. And if that's the case, then you need to leave because you're not going to change that man. Mm -hmm. He has more fun yeah. 
doing all that crap with his buddies than he does with you. And that's okay. You know, you speak about closure quite a bunch on your page. Tell me about closure. What is your opinion on closure in general? Because I remember when I was, um, I had, I had this really one really bad relationship and I was constantly trying to get closure and I thought that's going to help me, but obviously I never got closure. And at the end of the day, I was still getting, he would still lie to me even a year later. This was a, this is a few years ago, but even later when I tried to get my closure, it, it just never, he was never willing to give me closure. So I, I, I know you have an interesting take on closure. So I would love to hear that. Yeah, I think the the camera, the camera, I know, right? (laughs) Virtually in person. Um, I think closure is a myth. I just think, yeah, sometimes people can break up amicably and it's, you can tie it in a little bow and say, okay, that's done. But more often than not, breakups are messy. I mean, that's the nature of breakups, right? And I think so often people get caught up in this idea of closure. Like if I get one more sentence out of him, I'll feel better. Then I can Mm -hmm. move on. But that's not, most of the time when people are looking for closure, they're not looking for closure, they're looking for a way back in. So it's sort of the opposite, right? And I didn't get closure from some of the relationships that I really wanted closure on because it's almost like looking to somebody else for permission to move on. And I just always think like you have within Mm -hmm. you what you need to live your best life. Why would you give that power to the man who broke your heart? Um, I didn't, I and I almost think, in the same vein, the breakups that I think are easier to get over, even though they may hurt the most in the moment, are the ones where the guy is unequivocally leaving you because he does not want to be with you. He does not love you. I would rather, and if I were single again, I would rather have a guy leave me and just say, I don't love you, than sort of Mm -hmm. string me along because I had that. I had an ex-boyfriend who dated me and didn't want to, you know, we were together for almost a year. And then he decided that he wasn't ready to be in a committed relationship. And he said, I want to date you. I want to take you out once a month on an anniversary of the day we met, but I don't want to be your boyfriend. Yeah. And so how romantic. And you're like, oh my God, thank you. You're so generous. But you know what the thing is, is the fucked up part is, is that I let him do that. And I think it's because Mm -hmm. You know, the the proper, not the proper, the easier thing for him to do for me, the more humane thing would have been for him to just say, I don't want to be with you exclusively right now. I'm going to let you go, right? But mm-hmm. what he did do was he was like, I still love you. I still care for you. I still want you in my life. I just don't want to be with you. And that's very confusing when you love a guy and you see a future with him. You're like, okay, but maybe he's just really messed up. He was like, I'm so messed up right now. I hate my job. I hate my life. I just need some time to be single and figure it out so I can be a better person, right? Bullshit. He was on the apps mm-hmm. a week after we broke up, right? You wanted to go find a better person. Whenever they, whenever they do this line, like, oh, I need to work on myself a little bit, or I need some time. I, I I think that's always bullshit. Oh, a hundred percent. I just, you can work on yourself while you're in a relationship. My husband and I do not did not stop 
growing as people because we found Mm -hmm. each other you know we've all gone you know we've had our personal struggles and everything but we're doing it together we don't see the other person as a hindrance to our personal growth so when a guy says to you i need to go work on myself without you barring a few extreme cases like i've had some people dm me they're like look my my boyfriend's an addict he went to rehab and Mm -hmm. we broke up yeah of course he went to rehab and you broke up he was at a committed mental facility i'm not talking about those extreme cases yeah i'm talking about the more common situation where the guy actually probably is not that messed up and he just really wants to go date other women, right? Mm-hmm. And so my ex said that and, you know, I let him take me out for a few months until I realized I was like, this is not <laughs> what I want. I'll tell you what I think why guys do that. It's because they don't want to close the door on you because they still do like you. They just don't like you enough to commit to you. So for right. him, if, if he would say, hey... I don't want to see you anymore because why would he say that? Because he wants to continue seeing you. He just doesn't want to commit. And then he's going to say this to a few girls that he's dating and whoever sticks, he's just going to continue doing it. And he's going to date around until he finds that one girl that he wants to actually commit to. So whenever a guy does something like that to you, I think it's he's just trying to buy time and he's trying to date around and trying to find that other girl that he is actually going to like. I have a question about your standards because we mentioned this already i feel like you have very high standards and where did that come from were you always like this did you kind of learn from all of these experiences in your early 20s uh hell no my standards did not exist in my 20s i had no standards (laughs) like i said earlier i fell in love with everyone i was like and i actually said this to my mom Mm -hmm. i remember i was 23 or something 24 and i was like mom i can make it work with anybody whoever will pick me you know, as long as they've got a decent job and like, I don't hate him and all of that, mm-hmm. you know, I will figure it out. I just felt like I was like, I'm a social chameleon, you know, I can make it work. I could just like morph into the person that I'm supposed to be with. And you find out, um, maybe not quickly, but you find out over time that when you have no standards, you end up getting everything you don't want. And so really the thing for me was, I was dating and dating all the wrong guys and looking for my sense of worth in men. At the same time, I was also pursuing a really unconventional path with my career. And what really changed was finding, honestly, that job, my real estate job saved my life. And even though I knew after a few years there, it wasn't something that I wanted to do long term. I just didn't have the same passion as some of the people there who were building out teams and Mm -hmm. everything like that. I was just like, that job saved my life because it gave me a sense of purpose. I was making more money than I'd ever made at that point in my life. And I was good at it. And those are things where I think You know, I think that's really important for a woman because we're not really taught that, especially our generation. We're millennials, right? And maybe Gen Mm -hmm. Z is different now and whatever is after Gen Z, but we're not (laughs) taught that our value is in what we do. You know, men are taught that. They're like, oh, go out, Mm -hmm. kill it in your career. Then you can have any woman Mm -hmm. you want. We're taught still, I think, who picks you is your value. And so I always- And your physical appearance. Yeah, and your physical appearance. And it's like- you know, people think, oh, just because I look a certain way, like I maybe if I lose 10 pounds, maybe a guy will like Mm -hmm. me. No, like, first of all, some of, I mean, look at Hollywood. Some of the most gorgeous women have have been Mm -hmm. cheated on. It has nothing to do with how conventionally attractive you are, how much, you know, 
how much weight you lose, any of that. And so I found my standards because I finally realized I'm good at something. I can make money at it. I don't need a guy to support my lifestyle. And so once I finally figured that out, it was ironically right when I sort of met Dave, I went on that date with him not being like, I need this date to work mm-hmm. out. It was like, if this doesn't work out, it's fine because I love my life outside of this. And mm-hmm. I was so okay for the first time being alone, you know, not forever, but I was like, if it's not this guy, it'll be somebody else. And in the meantime, I've got a boss ass life. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And I get this question again all the time about how do I raise my standards and how do I actually know what I want but it's when you're so confident in who you are and you know that you don't need anybody else and I always say you build confidence by doing things that you say you're gonna do so if you give Mm -hmm. yourself a promise okay today I'm gonna whatever go to the gym uh reply to all of my emails I'm gonna Mm -hmm. do this task and you're giving yourself these five things that you said you're going to do. And if you don't do those things, you're going to lose respect towards yourself. And if you, you know, if you follow through, it's like, when you have a boss, your boss is going to tell you, okay, you have to do this, this and that, and you're going to listen to that boss. But why don't we listen to ourselves when we, you know, set these goals for ourselves. And I think that's how you actually, you know, you, you start learning who you are when you just kind of follow through and when you respect yourself. I feel like a lot of, I mean, when I, in all this wisdom that I have nowadays didn't also come in my twenties. I was, I was, you know, I was trying to find this external validation and I was, you know, I had this shitty relationship that I went through a shit ton of therapy and I learned a mm-hmm. lot about myself and why we do the things we do. And I mean, I feel like with yours and my videos, I, I, if I hope that we can just, you know, ease the pain for some women and just because back then nobody was posting videos like we are posting nowadays. Nobody was really talking about these things. And as we said, like love bombing wasn't even a thing, like it didn't exist. But I obviously need to ask you uh, a few more questions about actual uh, dating in a sense. <laughs> um, who needs to pay on the first date? Oh, you know my answer on this, of course. Um, look, I will. For me, the type of guy I wanted to date. I'm sorry, not on the first date, on all dates. On all dates, like yeah, let's do it. My <laughs> husband still pays for. You know, it's it's not about the guy pays. Okay, and look, do I have girlfriends who date guys that you know they're very comfortable with that situation not happening all the time? Sure. Okay, but I'm just saying for me. The type of guy I wanted to date was not going to have a problem paying for any dates. And I think it's so interesting that because I never really offered to pay on dates. I did not have a single guy have a problem with it. And I dated Mm -hmm. so many guys. So I think, um, you know, I think a lot of times, look, if you, if as a woman and your definition of feminism is that I want to go 50-50 on all dates, that's totally fine. Okay. As long yeah, as you that do is coming, you. Yeah. As, well, as long <laughs> as that's coming from a place of power, not a place of guilt, because I think a lot of times women say, well, I'm a feminist. I want to pay for my share of the date. I don't want to owe him anything, but is that coming from a place of power? Is that coming from a deep seated insecurity that you might get rejected or you might, uh, you might find out that the guy doesn't want to pay for you. It's like, what are you scared of? And I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, But I think a lot of times when I felt more shy about, you know, I would do the reach in my early 20s, it was because I was like, well, who am I to deserve to be taken Mm -hmm. out? Um, And I think you just sort of get to a point later on when you're when you've (laughs) dated enough 
where you just realize the right guys don't care and um, or the right guys for you. I'm not saying, you know, mm-hmm. for everybody, but also money is a very um, quantitative thing that we can just say, you know, the men who um, I have my video on guys paying for their first date and the first couple dates uh, got trolled and the, the whole point of, you know, the, the other side of that conversation was like, oh, you know, like, don't let your feminism die just when the check comes around. I'm like, no, that's not it. It's just like you as a man, um, you will never be able to be 50, 50 with me on so many things. If this continues to go in the way that I hope it continues, right. You're never going to be able to have kids. Um, you're never going to be able to do so many things that women do so much invisible work around the house. You know, mm-hmm. I, even though we're so much more progressive as a society, who, the housework, all the stuff that has to do my with boyfriend doesn't know where anything is. Oh, he no, doesn't 100. know where the towels go. <laughs> I know. I'm mean, like, you know, and I'm okay with that dynamic. I'm okay. My husband doesn't cook. He doesn't clean. And I don't think that makes me any less of a feminist that I do that stuff around the house. We all have our roles. Like not everybody can be doing everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I don't want to make my own money and I just want to be fully dependent on him and I'm just a gold digger? No, I hope I make more money than him one day. Even mm-hmm. if I do, I will still expect him to take out his credit card at dinner, even when we're married, even when our bank accounts are all the same. It's not about the money. It's about the gesture. And my only experience with like a really cheap dude in college that I dated and it's college. So it's a little different, right? Cause nobody's making any money is that I just remember this, something happened with this guy and he wasn't willing to pay for like a $5 chicken and a rice from the halal carts. Right. And I wasn't even asking him to pay for it. <laughs> he was just there. And he was like, well, I'm not paying for that. I was like, well, I didn't assume you were going to, right. Cause this was the stage of my life where I was like, I don't want to owe you anything. I'll pay for you. You know? And my dad just said to me, I told him that story. My dad was like, you know, I have a problem with cheap men, not because of the money. Cheap men are also cheap with their emotions, with their time, with, how much they're willing to give in a relationship. Like that guy who's not willing to pay for my $5 chicken or rice. What about when we have kids mm-hmm. one day? You know, that guy's not mm-hmm. going to be willing to get up in the middle of the night with me to feed the kid, right? Because he's going to be like, well, that's your job. It's like, okay, well, then what is your job? If you're not the breadwinner, if you're not the caretaker, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just your bitch over here, you know? It's like, that's just <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah, that's not equal, okay? Because there are so many things that you as a man will never be equal to me at as a woman. And it's just sort of, you know, it's just a gesture. And honestly, at the end of the day, like, I It's wanted, not that big of a deal. Like, I don't understand why people make such a big fucking deal about a guy paying for a dinner. Like, it's not, it's, yeah, whenever I have trolls, I always say, like, it's not a penthouse, it's a meal. Like, I get over it. I know. Why it's, is this such a big deal? I, you know what? And I, I have I a girlfriend know. who has always had the bigger career than her husband from the get-go, right? He is more of a, he's always been super honest. He wants to be a stay-at-home dad, whatever, but he has always paid for every single date. Even now, she is supporting their lifestyle, but he still Mm -hmm. pays for all the dates. Like as a man, also, I really question the men who don't have any sort of pride in being the person to pull out the car. Like, it's just so emasculating to me. Yeah, it's (laughs) honestly, it's gross. It it is, I... 
I think it's embarrassing when a guy is yeah. just sitting there. And also, I'd never do the fake reach. I think yeah. also girls who do the fake reach, it's not coming from, like, you actually don't want to do it. Like, you're yeah. just hoping he's going to say no. So you're faking it. I just, I I mean, I posted about this a few times. I just, like, look at them in the eyes and say, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. And that's it. Like, th there's there's nothing more to it. And I don't understand when girls ask me, you know, how do I stop feeling guilty when a guy pays for me? And I just think that, you know, at some point in your life, somebody told you that you don't deserve to be paid for, or exactly. you don't like, who do you think you are or something like that. And I mean, I, I, I don't even have a good advice for them. How do you stop feeling guilty? Because I never felt guilty. Do you yeah. have something that you can kind of share in this sense? Because I don't, I really don't know. I'm like, I never felt guilty for a guy taking me out. Never. I did feel guilty in my early 20s um, because I just think I just never felt like I was worth any guy. That's why I was willing to take any guy, right? I had no standards. And so honestly, the only – I can't even remember. There was no like turning point for me. It was just over time I realized that – because what I what happened was I dated a guy from 24 until 26 and I ended up living with him and he – you know, made a lot more money than me and he would pay for dates. But I remember thinking, um, and he paid for the majority of our rent and everything like that. And I remember always feeling guilty. So I would go above and beyond. I would go out of my way to buy him, you know, when I could like these lavish gifts and just, you know, really making sure I was like the perfect housewife. Cause I was like, I don't deserve this. And like, I really need to make sure that you don't feel like I'm taking advantage of you, but it's like, I don't know. At some point I realized it's like, that's so stupid. And the right guy will know that that is not what I'm about, that I want my own career, that I am just as driven to make money and support our lifestyle and, you know, contribute to the family pot just as much as him. I just, at the end of the day, want to feel taken care of. That's a female mm -hmm. thing. I think I just, it's a very sort of innate thing to being a woman. It's like, no matter how much of a boss bitch you are, it's like, at the end of the day, it's just nice when a guy takes you out and puts some thought into it. It's not more complicated than that. And I shouldn't have to feel guilty about that just because now, you know, I feel like the patriarchy has turned feminism into this whole thing where they're just like, well, if you're so feminist, then you should pay for all your own dates or you should pay for me. It's like, no. <laughs> just now i'm sorry You're so um, how do you yeah honestly no, I, don't, I don't understand my advice is cool, yeah. says stuff like that yeah well it's just like you know and at some point you just get tired of feeling guilty and i think that's what it is it's like you know okay i can live the rest of my life feeling guilty and always feeling like i, I don't deserve what i want or i could just let it the fuck go and go after what i want and then find a man who sees that i am going after what i want and he respects that and he doesn't have a problem paying for dinner. And also uh, guys who have money, they never have a problem spending money on their woman. It's not even like they don't, they don't think about money as it, it's always the broke guys who have an issue with, you know, <laughs> but it's funny, even what growing up when I was like 13, 14, when I had my first boyfriend or something like you were holding hands and going to the, get an mm -hmm. ice cream, like they would still pay. So yeah. I just never, when I moved to the US, I moved here when I was 22. It was just like a huge culture shock. For is me that a this, US like, 50, thing? 50. Because in Croatia, is it yeah. just kind of assumed like the man, there's like a strong sense of honor there almost? Yeah. Like no you, guy you, would you, ever you, let you pay. Never. I would never, I would, I, <laughs> Why I are would you not here? even see the bill. <laughs> uh, 
to, but, to live the American dream. I know, right? Welcome. Um, but you yeah. know what's so funny? You were saying even when you were in high school that these guys would still pay to go get the ice cream. And mm -hmm. I think it's a personality trait. I don't think it has anything to do with how much money a guy makes, right? I think you could be broke and still figure out a way to make enough money to make mm -hmm. your woman feel special. Yeah. Are you going to Michelin starred restaurants? No. But, you know, I grew yeah. up poor. I grew, you know, and my dad never cheaped out on me, my mom, other people. He was cheap to himself, right? But he mm -hmm. was never like, oh, you know, your mom can't have this. You can't have this, whatever. And mm -hmm. um, I remember the guy I dated in high school, my high school boyfriend, or, you know, one of them is like still, I, I tell my girlfriend, like arguably the only good guy I've dated other than my husband, right? <laughs> and we had no money. We were in high school, but he took me out for Valentine's Day. This is the only time we ever went out to dinner. Cause again, we're in high school. Like all other times yeah. we were just like hanging out at each other's houses in or the park. in the park or whatever. We weren't even going for coffee. Cause you don't do that in high school. Um, he took mm -hmm. me out to dinner for Valentine's Day. He like planned this whole thing. And like, he bought me this really nice bag and just, yeah, was he using his parents' money? I'm sure. But yeah, it's but the thought, it's the gesture, you know? And that's like, and I fucked that relationship up. It was me, right? Um, but mm. that has nothing to do with how much money you have. Because that guy could have easily been like, oh, well, I have no money. You know, we're in high school. Whatever. We'll go get McDonald's for Valentine's Day. But he really, you know, and it shows what kind of person he was, how he felt about me, I think, at the time. And so, you know, it, it has nothing to do with how, sure, if a man makes a lot of money, is he a lot more willing to spend? I am sure. But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, broke dudes, I think, who are still willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that the woman they want to be with feel taken care of. A hundred percent. They will yeah. find a way. They're going to yeah. sell their, I don't know, computer. Okay, know. you don't have to sell your computer to take somebody <laughs> on a date, but like just get a second job or something. Right, like there's right. a way. And also, I always just get like fascinated with all these trolls whenever I speak about anything financial right. because they're like, it's it's expensive. I don't think uh, like where do you guys go? Like I don't know where you're going. That it's like what thousands of dollars that you're spending on a meal. Like, like I don't know. Take going to go to a normal restaurant. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to go to a Michelin star. You can just go to a regular restaurant, order a pasta. It's twenty dollars. What if you don't have fifty bucks? You don't. You shouldn't be dating. Like yeah, you should you just... be finding a job. Yeah. Literally, if you if you can't spend like a hundred dollars on dinner or fifty bucks on dinner or whatever, just d don't go out to dinner. Don't date. Okay, just don't date. <laughs> well, on that note, we're gonna finish off this podcast because I think this was a, a, an amazing ending, and I I really had so much fun talking to you. I love your videos. I will be uh, scrolling all day, every day, whenever I'm. Same, you know, same to I, you. Thank you so. Much. This is so fun. <laughs> love love your videos and all of that so please share your instagram also i wanted to ask you okay first yeah. share your socials and then i'm gonna mm -hmm. ask you where did the name come from um so the name has a couple meanings but i've always felt like i've and you know you're an immigrant so maybe you feel like this too i've always felt like i grew up kind of in the crosshairs of two different cultures i'm very much chinese i'm very much american um, and so the name sort of sprang from that. It's like, you know, maybe I'm both. And also just sort of, I think so often women can get pigeonholed, like you have to be sweet or if you're sweet and you're kind and you're, 
you know, the stay-at-home mom type, that's all you are. You can't want more. You can't, you know, and if you're the feminazi who's after her career, like, you know, you can't be soft. You can't, you mm-hmm. know. And I think women are so multifaceted. You can be all the things. You can be both. You know, you could have that maternal instinct and want to crush your career. And then the third meaning is I can never decide at dinner which dessert to get. Like I'm always down to the, I always either want ice cream or cheesecake. And so my husband and I always. So funny. I just had cheesecake and ice cream. So good. So good. Two favorite desserts, you know, last meal would be, you know, and so, um, yeah, I, I think it's just an homage to how multifaceted people are and how multifaceted uh, life is. And, um, one of my favorite quotes is by Walt Whitman. He says, you know, do I contradict myself very well? Then I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes, you know, two opposing ideas Mm -hmm. can exist within you and be true Mm -hmm. at the same time. No, I love that. Uh, Wait, did you actually uh, tell your socials? No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) You can't find me anywhere after this. (laughs) Goodbye. Um, No, I'm on Instagram at maybe both. (laughs) And I'm on TikTok at maybe both styles only because maybe both was taken. And uh, I also have a blog. I run an advice column, uh, maybe both.com. Oh yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read uh, your blog. I saw that you, I just saw recently that you have a blog, and I used to have a blog. I used to study journalism when I was in Croatia, oh, so awesome. I used to like writing. But right. now it's, I just, I can't do it all. You've got a lot so, going on. The podcast, every, yeah, 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 I got it. Well, Anna, thank you again. This is super fun, and um, yeah, everybody, thank you for listening, and go follow Anna everywhere. <laughs> thank you so much, thank Coco. You. It was awesome talking to you. I'm sure I'll be chatting to you very soon. Yes, you will. Thank you. Bye.